MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello. Welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, August 10th, 2020. Today, Trump's national security advisor says he doesn't get involved with the president's conversations with foreign leaders. Trump signs multiple meaningless executive orders. A Friday night massacre at the Postal Service. The Trump administration feeds a story to the press about Pompeo pushing back on Russian bounties. U.S. intelligence says Russia continues election interference and Democrats on the Hill way unilaterally disclassifying the information. The GOP tried to get Kanye West on the ballot to siphon votes from Biden. A decision in the McGahn testimony subpoena case. Trump wants to give his nomination acceptance speech at the White House. The E. Jean Carroll suit can proceed. Nine people at Paulding High School test positive for coronavirus. And Trump asked to be added to Mount Rushmore. I'm your host, A.G. Happy Monday, everyone. We have a lot of news today. I'll be speaking to Sam Vinograd, former member of the National Security Council, about what the job of the National Security Advisor actually is, since it appears Robert O'Brien doesn't know. Uh, and from Salon, we're learning that people close to Trump have been lying to him to make him think he's doing a great job. And we'll have headlines from Under the Radar in the Good News Block with Jordan Coburn. And then we have some tasty schadenfreude queued up for you as well. And if you have any corrections for us or good news stories or quarantine confessions or even ideas for a theme for this Friday's live stream happy hour, just head to dailybeanspod.com and let us know. We'll be starting the Mary Trump Book Club in the next couple of weeks for our patrons. Thanks to uh, Stephen Isaac for that. Um, that was support from that patron is allowing those episodes to, you know, be possible. And we have a lot going on and a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, the lead today is all about Trump's executive orders from the weekend, including an executive order mandating that insurance companies cover pre-existing conditions. Fortunately for us, that's already the law under the Affordable Care Act signed by President Obama. But Trump has a penchant for claiming credit for shit he didn't do. Uh, pool reporter Paula Reed, for example, pressed Trump this weekend during a press conference at Bedminster, his golf club, when he, for the 143rd time, claimed credit for signing the Veterans Choice Act into law, which was actually signed into law by President Obama in 2014 amid the VA waitlist crisis, particularly the Phoenix VA. Uh, Trump got mad when pushed about this question and stormed out of the press conference when she wouldn't drop the question. Uh, so the Veterans Choice Act, so, you know, we had all these wait lists uh, back in 2014. There was a lot of problems specifically at the Phoenix VA, according to an inspector general report, inspector general report. And so to alleviate some of the wait times, uh, veterans getting to see primary care providers, they uh, put together this bill to open up care to be issued by private doctors in the neighborhood, like a network of of, of providers. And uh, they did that so that, you know, veterans could go get their care there and take a little bit of the, the you know, pressure off of the actual VA. Meanwhile, funding the VA uh, $10 billion to help expand their care. Now, I worked at the VA for 12 years, and I can tell you that far before... Veterans Choice became an actual law, which was signed by Obama, you could, as a veteran, go out to uh, a private provider in your network, in your area, 
and have the VA pay for it, especially if the care either was too far away or wasn't available at the VA. So for example, if you need a hand surgery and you were in Oklahoma and the VA at Oklahoma did not have a hand surgeon, you could go to a private doctor hand surgeon in the community. They call it community care. And the VA would pay for it. You just bill the VA. You have to get pre-approved and be referred, just like any other specialist would with any other network provider in any other kind of health insurance situation. And that had been going on for a long time. The VA had thousands and thousands of network providers signed up as, you know, VA network providers to give care to veterans when care was not available at the VA. But they changed the rules a little bit with the Choice Act. They were like, you could see a primary care physician. You don't, you know, and if you have to wait more than 14 days to see a doctor or a specialist, then you can go get care. Or if you're more than 40 miles away, uh, as as the bird flies, you can uh, get care at a, a more local provider and the VA will pay for it. So they expanded that program, signed it into law in 2014. And then it was supposed to be temporary, right? Like, we'll just do this for a couple years and by then, that $10 billion that we pushed into the VA will be, have been spent. They will have expanded their clinics, and we will no longer need Veterans Choice. Uh, what Trump did was he just basically extended it. He said, let, let, it, let it happen. You know, let it keep happening. We, we don't want it to expire. Uh, so that was the credit that Trump keeps trying to take. And instead of just saying... Look, yes, the initial Veterans Choice Act was put in place by Obama, but it was temporary. I made it permanent or I extended it or, you know, or just anything like that. But what we're learning is that he doesn't even really know what's going on. He's only repeating what he's told and what's written down for him. And he's not even reading it or comprehending it at all. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But now we have Trump actively arguing in court to get the Affordable Care Act gutted while simultaneously signing this executive order that is already included in the law. It makes absolutely no sense. It's it's the whole situation that we've spoken before where, you know, the arson then puts on a fireman's costume and goes and saves people from the fire he just created, he just started. Next, Trump signed an executive order, a series of executive orders for coronavirus relief, once again circumventing Congress and trying to appropriate funds that have already been designated to, like FEMA, for example, and putting the fiscal responsibility on the states to provide unemployment insurance while simultaneously refusing to send federal aid to those same states. Sticking with the administration's, quote, let the states go bankrupt policy in the middle of a global health crisis. And to be clear, he can't do this. But even if he could, it's a substantial decrease in the unemployment insurance benefits in the middle of unprecedented job loss caused by his incompetence, no less. And additionally, he wants to suspend the payroll tax. Uh, which is fine if you're on a payroll, but let's let's face it, tens of millions of Americans don't have jobs right now. So a payroll tax holiday is n nothing that wonderful. And then if you are on a payroll, the fine print says you're going to have to make it pay it all back in a balloon payment next year and during when you file taxes. And then what's going to happen is people are not going to have the money to pay their taxes. They're going to go broke, whatever. They're going to be evicted. Homes are going to be foreclosed. The wealthy are going to snatch up all of our homes. It's just going to be another giant transfer of wealth to the 1%. This is by design. And it's worth noting that this also, the payroll tax holiday, defunds Social Security and Medicare, also in the middle of a pandemic and right after the biggest drop in GDP in history, in the history of the country. And can we for one second remember how Republicans responded to any executive order signed by President Obama 
I mean, they screamed about the unconstitutionality and said that the president can't wield such unfettered unilateral power. And now they're silent. But that's because these executive orders got Medicare and Social Security, which Republicans have been trying to do for decades. And for any Republican to say, we're the ones who are going to save Social Security and Medicare, the Democrats want to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. If you believe any of that, then you have either not been paying attention at all until now, or you're just being fed a bunch of propaganda, which could also be the case. And we'll talk about that in a minute, too. Add to all of that. Uh, Trump says if he's reelected, he will make it permanent. He will make the, the payroll tax uh, holiday, not a holiday, he'll make it permanent. That would cut the payroll tax, which funds Social Security and Medicare, which is why he said in his ridiculous press conference that Democrats don't want that. I'll make the payroll tax holiday permanent if you elect me. Democrats don't want that. Yeah, they don't want that because it will only push us closer to the insolvency of these entitlement programs. And they're called entitlement programs because we are entitled to them. And the reason we're entitled to them is because we've been paying into them as long as we've been working. But now he's holding your money hostage by threatening that if Biden is elected, uh, we will all be forced to pay back his payroll tax holiday. Mnuchin said the same thing on CNN. So he's giving you something that you have to pay back and insisting he won't be able to forgive your taxes if you don't reelect him. Th then why not make it, if it's a payroll tax holiday, why don't you make it so it doesn't have to be paid back? Why don't you do that now instead of waiting until after the election and blackmailing American voters? Oh yeah, because it's bullshit. And by the way, major changes to the tax code also fa fall entirely to Congress, so Trump can't waive American tax debts or enact permanent changes to tax law. In fact, even Republicans balked at this idiotic idea in the last round of COVID relief negotiations. Remember, Trump was saying, oh, do payroll tax holiday. And the Republicans were like, no, I'll never get reelected. You're going to defund Social Security and Medicare? Nobody's going to allow that. And now with all of the states voting, with Republican governors voting to expand Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, it's looking like and we've seen the polls that, that most Americans don't want the ACA to go away either. And Trump's literally trying to do that in court while simultaneously signing an executive order for one tiny provision that already exists in that law. He also signed an executive order holding student loan interest, putting a, a you know, putting a break, a no student loan interest for now and deferring payments. You still have to pay, just not now. But that was already a thing, too. So. We now have the uh, political equivalent of a joke thief, but with far more dire consequences. He's, in ha he's a hack. He's a hack and he's an asshole. And it, it only gets better because you know we've been pondering if he's truly diabolical and evil or if he's a moron starved for praise. And, and I, this is what I was talking about earlier. I've been floating this idea, especially after seeing the Axios interview, that people close to the president are actually just lying to him all the time giving him charts and graphs and cherry-picking statistics to make him think he's actually doing a good job. At one point, I swear to God, in that Axios interview, he just turned the graph upside down and said, look, we're on top. That makes me wonder if, you know, if, uh, if Kellyanne Conway doesn't just hand him a chart or Kaylee McEnany doesn't just hand him a chart and upside down and say, look, we're on, we're on top. We have the biggest bar next to our name, the United States, with the longest bar. That means we're the best even though that's probably the death rate per capita, which most of us understand, but he clearly doesn't. 
It was like watching that Axios interview was like when we saw those texts between Manafort and Hannity, the Manity texts, if you recall. I felt like they actually believe their own bullshit. And I feel like he actually thinks the United States is doing one of the best, most bang up jobs in the world when it comes to COVID and the economy, when actually we are sucking wind. But Trump is doing everything he can to cheat his way into office this November to avoid prosecution of his multiple federal and state crimes. News about the Postal Service this weekend. We learned about a terrifying Friday night massacre in which DeJoy eliminated 23 executive level positions at the agency, centralizing the power to rest directly with him. He's a Trump donor. He's a benefactor of multiple private industries that compete with the post office. Again, putting a dingo in charge of a baby. This is from the Washington Post, quote, 23 postal executives were reassigned or displaced, the new organizational chart shows. Analysts say the structure centralizes power around DeJoy, a former logistics executive and major ally of President Trump, and it de-emphasizes decades of institutional postal knowledge. All told, 33 staffers, including the old postal hierarchy, either kept their jobs or were reassigned in the restructuring, with five more staffers joining the leadership from other roles. The reshuffling threatens to heighten tensions between postal officials and lawmakers who are troubled by delivery delays now, right now. The Postal Service banned employees from working overtime and making extra trips to deliver the mail. And wary of the Trump administration's influence on the Postal Service as the coronavirus pandemic rages and November's elections draw near. And if all that weren't bad enough, quote, the Postal Service has informed states they'll need to pay first class 55 cent postage to mail ballots to voters rather than the normal 20 cent bulk rate. That nearly triples the per ballot cost at a time when tens of millions more will be delivered because of the pandemic. The rate change would have to go through the Postal Regulatory Commission and undoubtedly litigation, but the time frame for that is incredibly short, as ballots go out very soon. So it's likely he can just put this into place, let everybody sue him, and by the time those lawsuits or litigation or the Postal Regulatory Commission says anything about it, it's too late. And then let's add the news about Russian interference in the November election. For weeks, top Democratic lawmakers in the House and Senate have been blaring warnings and demanding briefings and public disclosures from the intelligence community, shrugging off Republican charges that they're politicizing intelligence. We told you about this a while ago with the we, what's up with the infighting in the Gang of Eight. We had Frank Fagluzzi come on and say, you know, tell us, uh, talk to us about that. And Marco Rubio was like, you don't want to make it public. You don't want to politicize this shit. Well, the Democrats can now point to evidence that their pressure campaign might be working. On Friday, the Trump administration's counterintelligence chief publicly confirmed that Russia is attempting to harm Joe Biden's candidacy in 2020. The official, William Evanina, even singled out a pro-Russian Ukrainian, Andrei Durkach, as a key participant in the Kremlin's new effort. As you know, we've been screaming for Democrats in the Senate to unilaterally declassify the increasingly important intelligence as the election draws near. And I've said... They should just release it or read it into the public record or leak it to the press. Norms be damned. This is a break-the-glass emergency right now, and the public needs to know what the Dem lawmakers know and what the intelligence community knows. I've asked if they can be prosecuted, Dem lawmakers, by the speech and, you know, or be covered, protected by the speech and debate clause, which shields members, members of Congress from legal prosecution if their actions are in the line of duty. And I've wondered aloud... Why Congress can't declassify things with respect to the public's right to know because they are a co-equal branch of government. Well, now it seems that the Dems in Congress are publicly wondering the same shit I've been wondering. From Kyle Cheney at Politico, he says, quote, 
their demands come as intelligence officials have acknowledged privately to lawmakers in recent days that Russia is seeking to boost Trump's reelection prospects and denigrate Biden, the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee. Top of mind for Democrats is avoiding what many see as the mistakes of 2016 when the Obama administration decided to sit on the most explosive details of Russia's effort to aid Trump in their presidential election. At the time, Obama's aides defended their decision as an effort to avoid taking steps that Republicans would interpret as an attempt to influence the election. But both in real time and hindsight, top congressional Democrats viewed Obama's reticence as a significant miscalculation. And check this out. Ahead of Friday's disclosure from the administration, Democrats' worries about Russian interference in 2020 had reached such a fevered pitch that some were even contemplating the most extreme step possible, publicly disclosing classified intelligence on the House or Senate floor where senators are shielded from repercussions under the speech or debate clause of the United States Constitution. What? Where have I heard that before? (laughs) So, quote, uh, Mark Warner says, I'm not going to take anything off the table. He's one of the Gang of Eight, which receives the highest level intel briefings. Uh, He says, I've not given up hope that we won't get this information out, but it is absolutely incumbent that the American people know. A speech or debate clause has rarely been used to justify the disclosure of classified information, though in 1971, we talked about this on Mueller, she wrote, then-Senator Mike Gravel, Democrat from Alaska, read the Pentagon Papers into the congressional record in, in like a in a House grounds, like a, su- a subcommittee for the House grounds and janitorial service or something. And he was immune from federal charges due to those constitutional protections. It's been done. Warner, in justifying his position, referenced countries that make their citizens better equipped by learning more about foreign efforts to interfere in their elections and said the Trump administration should do the same without compromising sensitive intelligence sources and methods. Rubio... Warner's counterpart atop the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee, who, you know, he's there now because Burr got the boot because of those insider trading investigations. Anyway, uh, Rubio says uh, Warner has the right to do that, but urged caution. I have an idea. When we release part five of the 2016 Russia investigation by the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, the long-awaited counterintelligence report, let's, let's release the 2020 shit, too. Just release it. While we're at it, let's release everything we have on Durkacz feeding Russia disinformation to Senator Ron Johnson via Fertash and Giuliani. We know someone in the intel community leaked the Russian bounty stories, so it can be done. And speaking of that, not sure if you saw the bullshit hand-fed report to the New York Times this weekend that Pompeo apparently had some stern words with the Russian ambassador about Russian bounties on U.S. troops in Afghanistan in July. This is when this is when Pompeo had those stern words, July, this July. Bullshit. The administration has known about this intelligence since early 2019. And a self-leaked story about a late-in-the-game tough guy shenanigans from fuckface Pompeo isn't going to cut it. And shame on the New York Times for not realizing they were being played. But the GOP will stop at nothing to steal this election. Tripling postage on ballots, cutting polling places, trying to end the census early redistricting, gerrymandering, sending GOP operatives to gather fake signatures to get Kanye West on the ballot, who has now admitted he's only there on behalf of Trump to siphon votes from Biden, to using their own Republican Senate committee members to launch uh, launder Russian disinformation about the Bidens, a possible vote tally hacks, to weaponizing the Department of Justice to investigate political enemies, to deliberately allowing COVID to ravage cities and communities that vote for Democrats, to holding your money hostage, 
to centralizing power at the top of the Postal Service with an installed acolyte interested in privatization and, more importantly, re-electing Trump. Our only weapon is the ballot and our voices. So keep pushing your reps to declassify the interference intelligence. Register to vote. Vote early. Find out how to vote in your district. Vote securely and vote in numbers too big to manipulate. We'll be right back with news from Under the Radar with Jordan Coburn, including an update on the McGann subpoena and the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit and how the high school in the viral photo is faring this week. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. These days, most of us are focusing on health and safety. It's important to eat healthy to keep our immune systems up, and we have to use safer practices to help protect those around us. If you want to eat delicious, nutritious meals, but also stay socially distant and avoid the crowds at the grocery stores, I recommend trying Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door, and it's a perfect, tasty solution for these times. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including Mediterranean, paleo, gluten-free, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient because everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook, so you can enjoy a full dinner of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how good you are in the kitchen, which is good because I'm not good in the kitchen. But every meal I prepare, well, it's already prepped for me. It just takes 15 minutes. It turns out perfectly. And each week they offer a wide range of recipes, so you can try like spicy chipotle turkey and sweet potato chili with cabbage slaw or butter chicken with basmati rice pilaf or pepper doll with wilted spinach, sweet peas, and fresh ricotta. Mm. You can order from any recipes across their menu, skip a week if you need to, and double up on your favorites. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest level of food and employee safety. They reinforce strict adherence to operating procedures and have increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you and your family and their family of employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to enter promo code dailybeans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is time for headlines from under the radar. And joining me today for news from under the radar is Jordan. Jordan Coburn, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good. Good. Did you have a nice weekend? I know that um, you were in Vegas when we when we did our uh, Friday live stream. So that's mm-hmm. cool. You got to visit your grandparents, huh? Yeah, it was really, really nice. My heart is very full. Oh, I really wanted to see them. And I think my grandpa really needed to see us. So it was it was great. Oh, that's awesome. I'm yeah. glad you had a good time. And you got to see got to see some of the fam. Yeah. Um, since we've all been sort of sheltering in place. It's like really like I haven't seen my mom in months and months you know yeah i'm sorry this sucks ah it's all right i'll i'll get out there to see her she's a bit like she's in arizona so if i go to arizona and come back here i gotta quarantine for 14 days and it's all focaccia there so yeah you can't trust fucking arizona no no and like you know we tried to take our little pod our little group of three people to the beach you know like a kind of a, a quiet beach down on uh coronado and like have our tent and like I wanted to have like velvet ropes from like a VIP section like put up around us at 30 feet distance but it was pretty normal everybody was wearing masks but then by like noon it just got so crowded and people were starting to get dumb so I'm like we got to get out of here um so anyway that but you know it was nice to get some sun I haven't seen the sun I haven't seen the sun <laughs> since the before times. Yeah, it's funny. Your house doesn't have much natural light, actually, huh? You do live in quite the den. No. <laughs> I do have this mid-century modern, like, 
curtains drawn, diabolical (laughs) planning sort of, you know, and the studio is all dark and, you know, blacked out because of the sound, you know, because we're trying to Uh absorb sound. And so it's just like, although I will say this, though, you know, I have those vaulted ceilings in the in the main room with that window up there. So that's nice. I do get some light in a light in through there. But yeah, Mm -hmm. mostly. And I was like piled on the sunscreen, but. You know, we'll talk about it more during good news. But I didn't get sunburned, so that's that's my good news. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I do have a couple of stories from Under the Radar. Get this. I'll, I'll kick this off with a real quick short one because it's probably not going to be, it's not even a thing anymore. But the federal appeals, court, federal appeals Court on Friday allowed the House Democrats' lawsuit to force former White House counsel Don McGahn to appear before a congressional committee. And they're allowing that suit to go forward. The full U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit voted 7-2 to two in favor of allowing Democrat-controlled House Judiciary Committee to make, it, uh, make its claims in court. And the ruling reversed a three-judge panel that would have ended the case. God, I hate However, it. Sorry. <laughs> you're going to hate it more because time is running out to have McGahn even testify. The current House session ends January 3rd, as do all subpoenas issued by House Democrats for this Congress. That's, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's just, I fucking hate how long this takes, and it's by design. Oh, yeah. We've been trying to get McGann to testify forever, and now it's like, yeah, cool, and the election's in 85 days, and... Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's a, it's it's such a perfect example of, like, you know, justice delayed being justice denied. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It, it's infuriating, but yay to that part. I guess that's objectively good news. We won. I mean, so I, the good news is, is that the law stands and that Congress still has subpoena power right. and that the president's stonewalling is bullshit and it's been confirmed in a court of law. The rule of law, you know, is strong with the with the D.C. Circuit full on bonk court. But like, fuck, dude, like looking at my watch right now, um, this yeah. would have been real helpful last July. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But whatever. Yeah, I know. So what? There's whatever. that. Little, <laughs> little bit of good news. Um, what do you got for us, Jordan? I have a little bit of a story, uh, just some coverage about Trump's you know, announcement that he wants to deliver his nomination acceptance speech from the White House. Uh, he wants to have that part of the Republican National Convention happen on the grounds of, um, I mean, you know, what has always been considered uh, a ground of, of sanctity that is not to be tainted by a person that is announcing uh, their new campaign. It's it's just, it's, get it, he, he's talking about, like, if you look at all the different places that he would potentially do it, the Rose Garden, um, Oval Office, like, the Executive Mansion, all of those places are unprecedented. Like, nobody, nobody's done that. Nobody does that. This would happen during the August 24th through 27th convention, and, you know, we know that this whole convention has just been sort of drenched in fiasco because it was supposed to be in North Carolina. Then he went to bat with that governor over him not being able to have everyone come and kill themselves and not wear masks, and so then he's like, fine, I'm going to Florida, and Florida was like, yeah, we don't care if people die, come here, and then Trump was like... Actually, I'm not going to go there either because the cases are so fucking high. And now he's saying, yeah, that he's just trying to come up with some workaround and have it happen at the White House lawn or White just White House somewhere. But he's already coming up with excuses as to why it is not unethical 
for him to do that thing. He's been saying that it does not violate the Hatch Act because the Hatch Act doesn't apply to the president and it doesn't apply to the vice president. Mm. And him saying that just really means he's aware of how sketchy it is ethically. And that's like why he's doing it. (laughs) He's like always trying to push the boundaries of ethics. He's like like a chaos pioneer, like always... Always just trying to be a fucker. <laughs> yeah. First of all, if if why would you need to say to qualify that you, that the Hatch Act doesn't apply to you if you weren't violating some fucking ethics rules? Like that is right. the most bizarre. The rules don't apply to me, bro. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. yeah. You know what the worst part about that is, though, that he's not wrong. It it doesn't like ethics experts are saying that it it doesn't the Hatch Act specifically doesn't. Uh, apply to a president typically however it would apply to every other staffer that would be throwing the thing so like how the hell are Mm -hmm. you gonna put on that production if all the people that are going to do it can't do it if they're it's just him yeah yeah exactly yeah i would love it'll be like (laughs) i would love to see a fucking trump produced just single man truck like there's there's fucking like egg mcmuffins just like a million of them and <laughs> like one. Scott Bayo, Scott Bayo's over there somewhere. Like, yes. like <laughs> just or like it's some sort of weird multiplicity with Michael Keaton where he clones himself and there's a bunch of dumbasses like shuffling around, dragging their right leg behind him. Like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get the, I'm the, I'm the PA and the sound guy and the grip. Yeah. What does that even mean? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, uh, he like accidentally shows up on time because the person that normally tells him to wait thirty minutes so he can be annoyingly fashionably <laughs> late <laughs> wasn't allowed in his office. It's like. <laughs> where's my late advisor i need my i need my fashionably late advisor where is he he's just some douche with a pop collar and a smeared off ice just one guy whose job it is to make sure that he's he's 40 minutes late to everything that's his only job <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know that person exists it's like is it is it time to not go yet not yet you have some more time to wait till you don't go <laughs> it's just it's just the, that scene from uh from fucking uh braveheart hold hold oh, hold <laughs> for the most anticlimactic 10 minute press briefing <laughs> oh my god okay that's oh my so god. funny Why, that, <laughs> kate mckinnon if you're listening put that in a saturday night live sketch somewhere we yes. need the, we need the president's uh fashionably late advisor yes. as a cabinet position <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so good um <laughs> but uh yeah so not, not only is it just near impossible <laughs> for him to pull off even if he wanted to if everybody was going to have you know any sort of sense of duty to the hatch act uh, Republicans are also coming out saying that they think it's a stupid idea and it's not chill. You know, uh, John Cornyn, he's a Republican from Texas. He uh, said, I would have to have somebody show me where it says he could do that. I would think on government property would be problematic. So it's <laughs> it's so not going to happen. But I think it's just another distraction tactic, ultimately, at the end of the day, just to say some crazy shit. And, um, you know, one of his... We need a game show. We can... Where's it going to be next? Right. <laughs> right. Like... 
Welcome to Where's the RNC Acceptance Speech? Come on down, Trump. You're the next contestant. Where's it going to be? North Carolina? Jacksonville, Florida? The White House Rose Garden? No, it's going to be Where's it going to be next? Question mark. Yes. We can have like a whole fucking production about it. Yeah, how could it get worse than the White House? I can't even think of something that's like a bigger like desecration it's just completely it's it's just not gonna happen um no no uh, no no way but he was (laughs) successful in having that dominate the news for a little bit yep yep probably the point Mm -hmm. well thank you for that uh thank you for that headline uh up next a cluster of novel coronavirus cases has emerged at the georgia high school that drew national attention last week after students posted pictures and videos of their peers walking without masks tightly together in tightly packed hallways. And this is according to a letter sent to parents over the weekend. Six students and three staff members at North Paulding High School have reported testing positive for coronavirus. Principal Gabe Carmona wrote in a letter, which was first reported by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He said the infected people were in school for at least some time last week. The infections validate concerns in Georgia and around the country that crowded conditions in the nation's K-12 schools could facilitate virus transmission. I laugh because, duh, Uh, as the new academic year begins. uh, I, like, read the news sometimes and I'm like, is this what they're really saying? Okay. Young people develop severe infections at far lower rates than adults, sure, but they warn their vectors, their little vectors for infecting more vulnerable populations, such as older relatives in their same household. And of course, communities of color and disenfranchised people are, are more vulnerable to this because they have more of them have multi-generation, multi-generational households. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, but I think, again, by design. Right. Uh, but on Wednesday, Paulding County School Superintendent Brian Otot <laughs> told parents Otot, Mr. Otot, Mrotot. What's up, Brotot? That's what I would call him. Brian Otot. That's Brotot. (laughs) He told parents in a letter. I laugh because I will cry. Um, He wrote him a letter saying, while the photo doesn't look good, the conditions are permissible under the Georgia Department of Education's health recommendations. Cool. No one trusts your fucking department, obviously. That's from Brotot. Uh, Man, (laughs) I feel so bad for those kids. I know. I know. That fucking sucks. Um, and yeah, and even when even when the girl uh, Heller, who who was the one who took the picture, because she's she's wanted to get into some good trouble, she says, I uh, you know they reversed her suspension, and I was kind of like, that sucks. She probably wanted to stay at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can you just take it off my record, but allow me to stay safe, please? That would be a that'd be a real win. Yeah. When reversing your suspension is actually worse for you. Uh, <laughs> is retaliatory um but you also have you jordan you have some good news in the eugene carroll suit what's going on with that yeah so eugene carroll she is the one who's uh, pursuing well first off she has come out and said you know for for a long time now that trump raped her uh a long time ago and she is moving getting to move forward now with her defamation case against him a new york judge dealt this blow to trump on thursday and what happened was the judge rejected trump's lawyer's request to delay the case while an appeals court considered a separate appeal in a case that's very similar that just has a- another person that's accusing him of sexual assault uh, also so this is summer servos from the apprentice she's that contestant who had also brought a suit against him and he's yeah so his team is like let's can, can we just wait until we get a decision of that one and the judge said no 
you cannot we cannot wait so uh <laughs> carol and her attorneys get to move forward now and this was handed down by uh verna l saunders she's a new york supreme court justice and yeah this is this is a win for sure because there, there's mm-hmm. there's i mean time sensitive things need to happen they get to move forward now with the discovery process and that's what I'm into is the discovery process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what that entails is trying to get Trump's DNA, which, you know, is going to be like a massive battle in and of itself. So any sort of delay, I imagine that's part of the thinking on this, too. It's like the discovery process in a case against the president of the United States inherently is going to take forever at every single fucking step. So, no, I'm not going to grant, you know, any sort of stalling of that process at this point in the trial or case i wish they could just go down to the go down to the white house bunker because i'm sure his dna is all over that joint and just be like yeah i've just we we pulled the dna from the bunker where he hides a lot and cries so we we got we got his we got his tears from the bunker (laughs) that's what we're gonna use to move forward with this case does he cry i would be so surprised if he cries I feel like that's it, true. No, yeah, or maybe maybe he does have like a cry wafer that he's had his whole life. That that is, uh, it's it's so unsaturated. It's lasted him decades up until this point. Just one one tear shed every decade. His centennial a cry tear wafer. Oh, waver, <laughs> Wa- waver, no, wafer. Just like I'm thinking, just like a an absorbent sort of rectangle. Oh, like <laughs> yeah. A, oh. I like a little hanky wafer. I gotcha. No, I think it wafer like I. It's a very versatile word. Actually, a lot of things could be described mm. as a wafer. <laughs> but mm. point being, <laughs> it's an object that has some sort of a, uh, you know, spongy nature to it potentially. Whether it's a, a cookie mm. or a car freshener, there's a lot of wafer. Sh- <laughs> Anyways, cry wafer sounded funny to me, but (laughs) I love you, dude. I guess sponge would have been easier and required much less explanation and would still be the same point. Sock. Uh, Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ew. A multi-purpose sock. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) Gross. Named Brittany. He probably uses it at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It says the first part, then he cries. um, Anyways, so... (laughs) I uh, am, yeah, happy, happy to deliver this. There's a telephone conference uh, for the case that's scheduled September 30th. And this this quote is from Roberta Kaplan. She's a lawyer for Carol. She said, we are now eager to move forward with discovery so that we can prove that Donald Trump defamed E. Jean Carroll when he lied about her in connection with her brave decision to tell the truth about the fact that Donald Trump had sexually assaulted her. So... We will mm-hmm. keep following that. All of these like older headlines yeah. coming back around again. Domagan, Carol. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Long ass court shit. September 30th. Interesting time to start a hearing. Yes. Um, finally here. Uh, and this is amazing. White House aides reached out to the South Dakota governor, Christy Noem, last year about the process of adding additional presidents to Mount Rushmore. This is according to the New York Times. According to a person familiar who spoke with the Times, Noam then greeted Trump when he arrived in the state for his July 4th celebrations at the monument at Mount Rushmore with a four-foot replica of Mount Rushmore that included his face. Noam had noted before uh, 
Trump's dream to have his face on Mount Rushmore, the Coolidge era sculpture that's featured, you know, features the 60 foot tall faces of Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln and Roosevelt. It's been Trump's dream to be on Mount Rushmore. And according to a 2018 interview with Noam, the two struck up a conversation about the sculpture in the Oval Office during their first meeting, where she initially thought he was joking. I started laughing, she said. He wasn't laughing. He was totally serious. So um, after he bought Greenland, he was going to try. He contacted South Dakota to see if he could get on Mount Rushmore. Advisors had to tell him that that's a federal monument, not a state monument. Uh, but, uh, okay. Never. Yeah, wow, right? Never, never, never Mm. will that ever happen. Uh, not to say I'm super attached to that monument in the first place, but he will definitely never make it up there. No. God. Nope. Nope. Ugh. All right, well, thanks for all that. We will be right back with a discussion about National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien telling Face the Nation this morning that he doesn't get involved in conversations the president has with foreign leaders. I'll be talking about that statement with somebody who was formerly on the National Security Council, so stay with us. Hey, friends, it's AG, and this segment of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. You've heard me talk about my Helix mattress. Jordan talk about hers. Mandy and Joelle talk about theirs. Best mattress ever. It's like sleeping on a cloud. And, you know, I've experienced a variety of sleep issues, trouble falling asleep or tossing and turning, like night sweats, waking up repeatedly. And I used to wake up tired in the morning. And at first I thought it was anxiety or menopause, but it turns out I had a garbage mattress and that was most of the problem. But it turned out I went to Helix Sleep and found the perfect mattress for me because they understand that you're unique and they customize your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. Helix Sleep creates a, created a sleep quiz that takes just two minutes to take. And they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. So if you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side, or if you're a back sleeper, or if you sleep really hot, with with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique tastes. Like me, I was matched to the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was actually awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and now 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it for 100 sleeps, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners. That's at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien made an appearance on Face the Nation this Sunday morning. And when asked about whether Trump had told Putin to stop meddling in U.S. elections, O'Brien said, quote, unlike my predecessors, I don't get involved in conversations the president has with foreign leaders. And joining us today to discuss this response is someone who worked as a senior advisor to Obama's national security advisor and CNN national security analyst, Sam Vinograd. Sam, thank you for speaking with me today. My pleasure. I'm so glad to have you on. I haven't talked to you. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. And, you know, as soon as National Security Advisor, National Security Council, stuff like this comes up. Promoting insecurity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. National Insecurity Advisor. I like it. That's what we'll call him. Um, Sam, I can't believe I have to ask this. Is it not part of the job of the National Security Advisor to get involved in the conversations the president has with foreign leaders? Uh, Full stop, yes. Uh, It is a core responsibility of the National Security Advisor, and uh, it is one of his key responsibilities for a really operational reason. You know, I worked under, directly under two different National Security Advisors, 
advisors, General Jim Jones, and then uh, National Security Advisor Tom Donilon. I was his senior advisor. And one of the core functions of the National Security Advisor is really to be the president's primary in-house advisor on all things national security. That includes advising the president on policy decisions related to national security and prepping the president for any engagement where he may have an opportunity to advance U.S. national security or where the president could mistakenly, unwittingly hurt national security. So ding, ding, a foreign leader call is a prime example of that, right? I mean, a foreign leader call is a prime opportunity for the U.S. president to advance key national security objectives, but it can turn into a liability if the president president isn't adequately prepped. And we've found out, unfortunately, Trump's foreign leader calls have really become a liability, not only because he apparently doesn't prep with his national security advisor, according to Robert O'Brien, but if the national security advisor isn't prepping POTUS, I just have to ask, who is? right? Is the president just winging it when he gets on the phone with a foreign leader? Is he relying on TV pundits to help him prep for these foreign leader calls? That's why it is so important that the national security advisor, who the president handpicks to advise him on national security, preps him for these kinds of engagements. Yeah. So, yeah, you want the guy who went on national television and said that the explosion in Beirut was an attack. You want that guy to not be prepped when talking to foreign leaders, particularly <laughs> foreign adversaries, I mean, there's no one there now yeah. to write, do not congratulate really big on his. Do not congratulate <laughs> or condemn Russian bounties, condemn election threats. You know, the the national security advisor really performs two key related functions. One is running what's called the National Security Council process, which is uh, really a process of different level uh, meetings what's called the Principals Committee of Cabinet Officials, the Deputies Committee, which is comprised of kind of the number two and number three um, level officials uh, at various national security agencies, taking the results of those meetings and making policy recommendations to the president. That's kind of bucket number one. Bucket number two, again, is advising the president on what to say or not say to foreign leaders. O'Brien seems to be falling down on both fronts. I mean, he is broadcasting to the world that he's not doing his job in the key area of advising the president um, for foreign leader calls. So I'm just kind of wondering, what does O'Brien do all day if he's not prepping POTUS? And, you know, how is he spending his time? But again, more broadly, you know, his comments really destroy any vestige of a notion that there's a functioning national security apparatus. If the national security advisor himself is again broadcasting that he doesn't do his job, why does anybody think that the national security process is working and fulfilling its functionality of advising the president when it comes to policy decisions or anything else for that matter? I see. So not only is this dangerous because we, you know, we now know that Robert O'Brien isn't advising the president on on these types of phone calls, at least for this particular situation, but that gives us a window into a broader thing. But he's announcing it to the world, leaving our president now vulnerable to any foreign leader who wants to jump on the phone with him and just let him talk until, you know, something, yeah. <laughs> something. I mean, that's that seems to be one as big, if not a bigger danger that he's told everyone that he doesn't do this. Well, it's like the fact that the national security advisor is seemingly bragging about 
his own incompetence or gross negligence really doesn't instill confidence in the credibility of our national security team, right? I mean, if a credible, responsible national security advisor was on television, he wouldn't be wearing his negligence as a badge of honor. I mean, he said, unlike my predecessors, I don't advise the president on what to say to foreign leaders. Well, yeah, your predecessors actually did their jobs and knew not to broadcast vulnerabilities in our apparatus to the whole world. Mm -hmm. This just makes O'Brien look, frankly, uh, incompetent, ridiculous, and unaware of how he's viewed or how his word will be taken by millions of people tuning into uh, his segment with Margaret O'Brien this morning. Yeah, and that has to make us, that has to leave us more vulnerable uh, than it did before. I, I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine that helps uh, our position. I didn't think it could get much worse, but agree. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Give him a couple days. Now, <laughs> I, I want to ask you, because uh, this was this particular comment he made was about specifically about Russian interference in our elections. And in a piece that you penned today for CNN about the intelligence reporting on foreign interference that indicates China and Russia and Iran are all attempting to meddle in the upcoming election, you talk about the importance of, because uh, it seems in this report that they're equating China, like the interference that China is, is is doing and the interference that Russia is doing. And you say that this is important that we don't equate those two and they appear to have done it. Why is that? Well, this appears to be mixing apples and oranges from a threat perspective. What I mean by that is the public benefits when they're informed about threat streams, for sure. The issue here is that not all threats are created equal. So if you read this intelligence assessment in detail, it says, for example, that China doesn't want to see President Trump elected and that they have used public criticism. They've upped their public criticism of the administration lately, ostensibly because they don't want to see him reelected. But it also says, for example, that they are still weighing the costs and benefits of, quote, more aggressive action. Public criticism is a overt criticism is a very far cry from Russia's longstanding active covert operations to degrade Vice President Biden and to spread disinformation. It's not even a close call, right? So, you know, Russia has been engaged in these multi-pronged influence operations, largely covert ones, for years. And you compare that to Chinese officials criticizing the administration, it's an entirely different scale and scope. And by putting these threats in the same basket, I think it makes it more difficult for the public to understand the threat landscape. I think this assessment would have been more useful if, for example, it had started with Russia rather than China to really emphasize um, the active operations, covert operations that Russia has underway. And then given a nod to the fact that the Chinese and Iranian efforts, while arguably still dangerous, are not at the same scale as Russia and Iran. Or not the same scale as Russia, excuse me. Yeah, they're not laundering information. Well, they're not laundering information through yeah, U.S. Right, policymakers. Right. They're not using bots and trolls ostensibly. Through the Senate Intelligence Committee, right? Yeah, or uh, Senate Homeland Security, in fact. And um, what we mean by that for everyone listening is the chair of the Senate Homeland uh, Security Committee reportedly took information from a pro-Russian uh, Ukrainian uh, lawmaker that's on Joe Biden and is using that as part of his quote unquote investigation into the Bidens. And it just looks like the Russians are laundering information through Senator Ron Johnson. But those Russian efforts are at such a larger scale and they're more active 
than what the Chinese Communist Party is doing or what the Iranian regime is doing. So I want to be clear. I think it's important to call out all of these threats. I don't really understand mm-hmm. the Chinese one in the sense that the way the assessment's worded, you know, it says that China criticized the administration's criticism of China, which is kind of just expected. But I don't, you know, I imagine that Chinese influence operations are underway. It's just, there's a false equivalency here. And I think the untrained eye may miss that when they're reading this intelligence assessment. Yeah, and and we know that part of the sort of the election like they put out this memo to Republicans running for office saying hey if you talk about covid blame china we're going to blame china we're going to pivot away from trump we're going to blame china and we've already seen trump lay the groundwork to say china's going to interfere in our elections it's going to be rigged and he might use that as a way to hold on to power ostensibly but uh i'm wondering too if the conflation of, you know, the Russian interference and the Chinese interference and mentioning China first isn't the handiwork of the chilling effect and the chilling impact of the nonstop assault on our intelligence communities and whistleblowers mm-hmm. that have that's gone on for the past three years. Do you know what I mean? I cringe to say this, but I think you may be onto something in that there was a really worthwhile um, piece of reporting that everyone should read by Robert Draper in New York Magazine which details Trump's assault on intelligence over the past several years, including the pressure there's been on intelligence analysis to avoid upsetting the president. So to avoid saying things like Russia prefers Trump, for example. So when we look at this intelligence assessment, just at a logical level, why would you start with China? The threats in this, um, in this assessment, they're not alphabetical, it goes China, Russia, Iran, And the threat from China, again, is at such a different scale and scope than the threat from Russia. But China has become Trump's latest uh, political pinata uh, for the reasons that you outlined. And China does not, as you said, China doesn't want to see Trump elected, according to our intelligence community, versus Russia, which is reportedly actively working to support Trump. So I, I really cannot understand why the IC would have put China first. And again, would not have caveated the different scale and scope of these specific threat streams. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've seen it in other agencies that might not have the same kind of consequences. But NOAA, for example, when they backed up his yeah. ridiculous Sharpie gate or oh my the CDC, God. Yeah. which used to put out guidelines. And now they're just as, as Maddow says, these mealy mouthed whitewashed sort of you can do what you want. We aren't really going to tell you what you have to do. And like everyone's like, are a CDC, are you OK? And like, I just I feel like. And the chilling effect on the whistleblowers and the well, look at the worldwide threat briefing. Yeah. Like that hasn't happened. Why? No. Or why did yeah. why was this um, intelligence information released so close to the election? Democratic lawmakers have been clamoring for some time to release this information publicly. It was reportedly slow rolled, but more generally, the annual worldwide threat threat briefing, again, it's annual, it happens every year, didn't happen this year because the IC was worried about upsetting the president. It is clear that the president's mood swings, his retribution against officials has had a chilling effect on the intelligence um, community generally. And now, as we're seeing, maybe having a chilling effect on the intelligence that reaches the American people. I was never an intelligence analyst, but having worked a lot with the intelligence community, it seems very strange to me, again, that this intelligence assessment would start with China and wouldn't clearly lay out that public rhetoric, public campaigns criticizing the administration's criticism of China 
aren't on the same scale as Russia's active operations targeting Joe Biden. Well, maybe we're coming up close to a tipping point with the looming election. We know that Democratic lawmakers in the Hill are, are pretty upset about this. I've been telling all of our listeners to push hard, tell your reps to release this. Mike Gravel it. We want Warner to just gravel the entire <laughs> yeah. situation and read it into the record and, and uh, you know, everything be damned. I mean, we've, you know, we've seen this ha- kind of happen, not maybe on this kind of scale, but, you know, in 2018, Dianne Feinstein went ahead and unilaterally released the Fusion GPS transcript without first getting permission to do so and 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 she's she's still there like i just feel like there's got to be a tipping point when the secrecy is no longer protecting americans but i i, mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming on and going over this with me because i would i'm not an expert but i was pretty sure that that was the national security advisors uh one of his main jobs so i appreciate exactly you, uh, coming on to- <laughs> talking to us about that my pleasure <laughs> everybody national security analyst for cnn former senior advisor for national security council sam vinegrad again i can't believe we needed to clarify this but thank you thanks so much for having me <laughs> all right everybody stay with us we have the good news on the other side of this quick break we'll be right back Hey everybody, it's AG. Regular listeners of the show just heard me talk about my Helix mattress and how it solved my sleep issues because it was customized for me. Well, I'm excited to share with you that Helix has launched a new company called Allform to bring you amazing customizable furniture for the rest of your home. Allform makes beautiful sofas and chairs to your specifications and then delivers them directly to you with fast free shipping. You customize your own sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. With Allform, you pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, so it's perfect for pod pets. You pick the color, you pick the leg finish, you pick the sofa size and the shape to make sure it's perfect for you and your home and your family. I picked out a three-seater sofa and customized it with whiskey leather and a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge. I could have never had a leather couch before, but because their fabric is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, it's totally fine. Came in a couple days, I put it together myself, and I absolutely love it. It's roomy and modern looking, and the fact that it was designed to my specs is the best part. Normally, if you want a custom sofa, it takes weeks or months, and you need someone to assemble it in your home, and you have to have a delivery window with the freight company, and right now, because of COVID, they drop it out on the street, and you got to haul it in yourself. But Allform takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail. You can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. They have gorgeous armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectionals, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add on if your family grows or you move into a bigger house. And the best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, it's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. And back with me to give you the good news is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello. I've been looking forward to this good news today. Yay. Yeah. God. Crazy weekend. <laughs> News-wise. I know. <laughs> and it's just going to keep coming more and more undone. It's mm-hmm. just going to be... It's going to be a roller coaster on square wheels with no fucking... None, none of those safety things that come down. No seatbelts. Just nothing. You just... It's going to be bizarre and insane we're gonna have some this is probably gonna be the craziest couple months politically ever just leading up to yeah. the election of donald or uh i should say sl- shutting down of trump this is gonna be fucking crazy mm-hmm. it'll probably be 90 days that history will never forget mm-hmm. and we're gonna be living through it 
Take that as you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so some good news to forget about that for a while. <laughs> First up from, uh, it says Hive Lady. I don't know if they're addressing us or if, if this is from Hive Lady. <laughs> a year ago, my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. He had surgery and didn't have time to get chemo or radiation, but... Uh, it was a very scary time for all of us. And during the twenty during the year 2019, we met with doctors, oncologists, and in March, we were able to have his one-year colonoscopy. But because of COVID, it was delayed by six weeks. In April, my mother passed away, and I was not able to travel back east and had to FaceTime my goodbye to watch the funeral. Two other friends passed away suddenly as well. It has not been easy, and it's been very surreal. However, today, my husband finally had his one-year follow-up. I was not allowed to go into the medical facility with my husband, so I passed the time listening to your Daily Beans podcast. I usually listen at bedtime and fall asleep and then have to listen to it again in the morning. <laughs> so th- this is why our numbers are probably double what they actually should be. Um, <laughs> we put people to sleep but she says this helped pass the time and even make me chuckle while waiting uh we received excellent news the doctor says everything looks good our family and friends uh and of course we are thrilled thank you for helping me pass the time laugh and even fall asleep during this very stressful time and keep up the wonderful work oh that is yeah thank you yes that's so incredible congratulations but i'm so sorry for all the other loss losses that you've had to go through but, ugh, mm-hmm. man, this time period is so fucking hard in so many ways. We're such strong people. I'm really glad that we can help you um, feel better a little bit when you listen. Um, so next up from Kimberly, Abriella, Aubrey, and Aiden. They say, listener from the very start, love you all. Good news. It's all in the way you see your life. I lost my job due to COVID. And I lost an aunt and couldn't go to her funeral and a high school classmate to COVID. But my triplets, all high school seniors, and I have worked outside every day building gazebos and pergolas while listening to you ladies. I know they needed a big distraction from this horror show and everything they are missing as seniors. No prom, no senior trip, no competition in Ireland, no spring track, and therefore no varsity letters or jackets, no banquets for honor society, and lastly and most importantly, no graduation now. Oh my gosh, that sucks. Although, although I will say, the fact that those are all the things that your kids would be doing is dope. That means they, they have a pretty dope life in general, and that's rad. Uh, they sound like really cool kids. Now, around the house, we throw comments around like, fucking essential and Matthew fucking Whitaker. <laughs> I could continue forever with this. The boys want you to name all Trump's villains as they enjoy saying the made-up names. <laughs> We've become so much, clo- <laughs> so much closer. But maybe all of them leaving for college, we think, will be easier since we've been glued together in quarantine for months. Thanks, ladies, for your entertainment while we work. And please name Don Jr. We call him Small Dick Energy. Jared, Ivanka, Melania, <laughs> Chuck the Fuckhead. I think you all got that one. Uh, Lindsay, Flynn, Barr, Eric, Steve, all caps, Pompeo. You guys got a lot of nicknames to do. <laughs> Be safe. <sighs> Be safe. Love you lots. Kimberly and Triplets from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. P.S. I come from the Garden State, and indeed the majority is farmland. We produ- we produce the world's supply of blueberries, cranberries, and have you tasted our corn or tomatoes? We're much more than a turnpike in an airport. Yummy. Sounds fucking delicious. Fair. Fair. Yes. You did earn the Garden State reputation. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I I always have to quote that miscongeniality um, thing, you know, which he's uh, training to be a, a, 
a pageant queen and they say, why is New Jersey the garden state? And she responds, because oil refinery and petrochemical refinery plant state doesn't fit on a license plate. And I just always <laughs> thought that that was something like that. Yeah. Well, Aubriella, Aubrey and Aiden, awesome Awesome. You sound like incredible kids. Um, we will, I'll try to name everyone. I will try to n- give a, get a nickname for everyone. But really, why put all the work in when they're all going to be out of office or in jail, you know, relatively soon? Um, we'll, we'll come up with like prison nicknames for them, you know, because you need those. Yeah, maybe maybe we can start with a nuclear family. We'll start with them. And yeah. then because unfortunately, and Let's I hate out. to even say this, but we'll probably see them again someday. Blech. Yeah, yeah. Not if I can help it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so great. Gazebos yeah. and pergolas. We have a pergola. Is that is that, is that what you Looking have in essential. your backyard? Mm-hmm. That's a pergola. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So pretty. Thank you. Also, nice tactical skills or tactile or you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> pergola building skills? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Just make it specific. Make it very clear. We don't need another wafer gate. Any vague references. <laughs> Wafer gate. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the B block, y'all. Go yeah. listen. Okay. <laughs> Next up from Irene. I got the safest haircut I've ever had. My hairdresser's business uh, is house calls only ever since the landlord raised the rent on her salon a couple years ago and she had to move out. The place is still empty two years later and I don't feel a bit sorry for that landlord. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Anyhow. She came to my place with a mask on and a bottle of hand sanitizer. I had a mask on, too, and I had gotten out a windbreaker to use instead of a cape, the cape she usually provides, plus my own towel and spray bottle of water so she didn't have to get her own out of her bag. She cut my hair, sanitizing her hands several times, then left without ever touching me other than that. Neither of us took off our masks throughout, and I immediately jumped in the shower after she left (laughs) and washed off any virus that might have gotten onto me. I don't think you can get safer than that. No, you can't. And I have this guilt. I'm starting to notice in myself, like, after I interact with people and I, like, wash my hands and scrub myself and put sanitizer all over myself, I feel guilty. Like, I'm somehow saying the other person is dirty or, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I have this weird guilt about washing the shit out of myself when I interact with others. Like... Yeah. Like, uh, you don't want your spit on me? No. I. Yeah, it will be funny the hmm. time between, like, when we have a vaccine and then whenever, in general, everyone seems to have, you know, stopped vigorously washing themselves every time they touch someone. Because there's going to be a weird drop-off point where it's like, is this person just being extra sanitizing or are they just being an <laughs> asshole? Because it is very... I totally... It does seem kind of rude, but it's like... Currently, I feel like it's very easily explained away, but uh, but yeah, it's also like touching dogs. Like at the dog park, I have hand sanitizer, and anytime a dog comes up to me or something and I pet it, I like immediately take out hand sanitizer and use it. <laughs> like, you feel like a nasty ass dog. Yeah, it's like if somebody kisses you and you like make a big dramatic uh, like gesture about wiping it off, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Ellen, just like Ellen one of those. Fit. How dare you wipe my spittle away? How dare you? You don't want yeah. that there? How dare you wipe my spittle away? <laughs> I know, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> and and uh, and there's going to be this time, right? You're right. After a vaccine, when can we touch? Can we shake? Hand? You know how sometimes you go to shake hands and they go to fist bump and there's kind of somebody tries to hug and you do this weird dance. It's going to be like that on a grander scale all the time. Oh, so you yeah. You just have to prepare for it. Oh, yes. The only person that's prepared for this currently is Howie Mandel. 
and and others <laughs> that have just lived their life this way which i hope i really do hope it becomes a more acceptable way to live your life too because it's like people shouldn't be shamed for trying to be you know cleanly like we never know we don't know if someone is immunocompromised especially after this i feel like there's going to be a lot more people that just live their life like that like i might never go back to shaking hands regardless of the fact that if mm-hmm. it's uh, really because i have sweaty hands that's no matter maybe i just want to live under the cloak of sanitizing lifestyles uh but yeah i mm. i i feel you i i don't think anyone takes offense yeah. but um yes i love that i i need to get a haircut too there's a place right across from from my house i'll probably do that too and report back it looks like it's the same situation outside masks everything i love it people are being so smart and good about pivoting their business right now in a safe way um Next up, from Amanda, first of all, I love you all so much. Thank you, Amanda. We love you, too. Thank you for being my source of news, laughter, knowledge, and therefore, empowerment. I almost forgot to type this because I got distracted by a look over here pebble. <laughs> uh, for for, for a, a literal pebble? or <laughs> I'm so curious. For, for more than a few months now, I've been aware that the company I was very recently let go from is paying their employees, specialized therapists with master's and doctorate degrees illegally, as in not in accordance with federal law. More than a few coworkers and I had tried speaking with the owners, our supervisors, but were not heard or taken seriously. Earlier this year, I reported them to the Department of Wage and Hour. Maybe I'm a turtle dick Mitch, but there were other things going on too, and I finally had enough. Or I had one too many panic attacks. Same thing, I guess. Yes, it is. Uh, Our bosses gave patients on our caseload, some of whom we've been working with for two years, to other therapists who are willing to go back to in-person work, while the more rational public health lovers among us were focusing on teletherapy, as we were instructed. I already have pretty gnarly anxiety, PTSD, depression, but my bosses became triggers, so I finally got pissed off enough to send an email outlining exempt versus non-exempt employees, the criteria of how each gets paid, admitting that I was a whistleblower, outlining Dr. Fauci's testimony for reasons why some therapists were concerned about going back to work, thanks for the cliff notes, as well as psychological implications for their overall lack of leadership and disregard for autonomy in the workplace. There were no feelings, only stated factual information with references. The next day, yeah, the next day I got fired. They gave other reasons for letting me go, but I know the true reason to be the fact that I am a whistleblower, and for that I am so proud. I have the support from most, if not all, of my co- of my former coworkers. I absolutely feel secure in that I have maintained both my personal and professional dignities. I feel like a herd of elephants are back in the wild after they'd been standing on my chest for six months. Hashtag nature. Mm-hmm. I would like to thank you all because you've been an absolute inspiration to me. Oh my gosh. Okay, and then in an epic movie trailer voice. In a world filled with... Yes. <clears throat> Unless you want to take it over. <laughs> Because I'm not great, at, I'm not great at a deep voice. Actually, some for some it cracks weirdly. Take it away. I don't. I'll try. All right. In a world filled with complacency <laughs> and fear, Perfect. one woman inspired by the beans to fight against the gaslight. This summer, find out how badass it is to be the good person. <laughs> Amanda <laughs> is the wage theft whistleblower. Fuck yes. Thank you, Allison. That was perfect. Um, she, They go on to say, you are impacting the world more than you know, and I'm so grateful that two years ago I found this podcast. Thank you for everything, ladies. You're amazing. Peace, love, and whistleblowing. <laughs> That's Amanda, I can't wait. I can't wait for you. I'm writing a book about how I was removed from my job, and I can't wait for you to fucking read it. Congratulations. And 
seriously if you need a legal reference i've got some good ones yeah dude fucking hell yes you so did the right thing and they 100 percent like t- retaliated against you for sure there's no oh, yeah. way that's obvious yeah, yeah there's no other way and for them to be doing that as people that if i gathered correctly work in yeah like a health centered field that's mm. awful that's so awful and i'm so i'm so grossed out by companies that are either one incentivizing people to go back preemptively or two shaming people that don't go back one of the companies Mm -hmm. i work for is doing some shaming shit and it's like so Mm. not okay it is so 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 not okay and i commend you and thank you for doing what you did yep amanda i feel you Imagine uh, being discriminated against for your PTSD due to something that happened to you in the military by the Department of Veterans Affairs. Like, whoa. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I feel you. Um, Let's see here. I think we have time for one more. Yeah. Yep. We got time for one more. And this next one is from Susan. So throughout this vile administration, I've been working on my second World War I novel, Lucia's War. Unlike my first endeavor, which was a short listed um, for the Romantic Novel of the Year Award, congratulations, this was entirely self-published. That said, it was professionally edited, proofed with a beautiful cover, and since the protagonist is Afro-Jamaican and I'm not, looked over by an expert reader to make sure the parts of dialects used were accurate and there were no cultural wrong notes. By the time you read this, this book will be live. I plan to do a paperback later when I have a bit of breathing space. I have given everything to this book, and I'm delighted to introduce it to the world. Early reviews are looking promising. Also in the acknowledgments, there's a special paragraph to thank Mueller, she wrote, and the Daily Beans for being a trusted source for processing the Trump stuff so I could get through with making my art. What? (laughs) (sighs) Wow, Susan. Oh, my gosh. All right, second World War One novel, Lucia's War, L-U-C-I-A, apostrophe S, War, by Susan. Dude. I don't have a last name here. Everyone is so talented. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, seriously. All right, everybody, you never cease to amaze me. Continue to amaze me by heading to dailybeanspod.com and clicking, 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 ding, ding, on contact and uh, sending in your good news stories. We love to hear from you. And thank you so much for being incredible, awesome, amazing, fucking essential people in my life. Do you have anything you want to add there, Jordan? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. All right. Well, everybody, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>